beautifully sung a great prayer for all of us. And before we think about the theme for this morning's service, just let us come before God in prayer. Our loving Heavenly Father, we come into your presence this morning, and in so doing we thank you for the privilege of being here. You are the one who created us, the one who created the world in which we live and move and have our being. You are the one who is all-powerful, and yet you have made it possible for us to come into your presence. As we have just heard, there are many challenges within our world, and sometimes we can be so discouraged, so disheartened, so dispirited by all that we see and hear. We seem to lurch from one crisis to another so frequently that the word perma-crisis has entered into our dictionaries. We feel our own weaknesses, the frailties of our minds and bodies, the transience of what is around us. We face so many challenges to our faith and we often falter and feel that we fail. Strengthen us, we pray, and renew a right spirit within us. We ask you, by your Holy Spirit, to create within us a heart for worship, a heart that is glad to be open to you, and not a heart which desires constantly its own comfort zone. It's all too easy for our worship to become a warm blanket round us and for us to shut out the real needs. Help us not to fall into that trap. And as our hearts are opened, we ask that we may have a, a renewed vision of you, our God, as you reach down to us in the person of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, made real to us through your Spirit. He walked this earth before our time. He experienced the pains and aches of human existence. Yet he did so gladly, setting before us a divine example and opening for us a new and living way into your presence. We ask that we may meet him here this morning. And now we ask you to forgive our sins and close us in with your word. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. There's a tradition, isn't there, that the guild at Brighton's church has a special Sunday every year. Have you noticed? We've been here before. We've been at the guild Sunday. And today we're observing that tradition. By now I think you've worked out what the T word is for today. It is the word tradition. It's great to be made aware of the work of the Guild and to be reminded that the Guild has changed with time. We think, perhaps, as Maggie said, that it's something very old and fixed and it's just a certain sector of the church that come along dutifully and do various things that are not perhaps relevant to this world. 
Well, if that's the way we've been thinking, we've been well instructed this morning. When I first heard of the guild, it was the Women's Guild. And it dropped that bit of the name. Now, that was a big change. And I'm sure it didn't come easily. There would have been voices for and voices against, because that's the way we handle the T word. Tradition. Yes, that's how it is. But now it's just the guild. And men can come too. Men can come along. Now, I don't exactly see a rush on the part of men here. And I would have to say that I am as guilty as anyone else. But a week ago, I went along to the guild and I was very encouraged, inspired, and I had a spring in my step as a result of being there when I heard about the projects. So interesting, and one of them in particular. They're both equally worthy, but one, I thought, how wonderful. Do you need a one? Why did I think that? I thought that because I spent my working life in higher education, in third-level education. And to those of us in this country, it comes so easily, as Elspeth Reed reminded us on that Monday evening. We have in Brazil a tradition, key word again, where women are just kept in a corner, where they are despised and so often injured. And the, one of the cities where this is, the city where this has been set up has a very high murder rate of women. And Unida is trying to change tradition, trying to give people a chance, and particularly to give women a chance. We struggled with that one in our own society much earlier on. We still struggle with it, but in places like Brazil, there are even more challenges. So tradition is on the move. The guild is on the move. And the way we handle things in this world, that's on the move as well. And that's great. Tradition then, what is it? I have to confess that when I thought of this sermon, my first, my first idea was, oh, I don't know what tradition is. It's such a difficult word to define. And funnily enough, we all think we know what tradition is. That's the problem. We've all got our wee traditions which we hold dear. And yet if I asked you to define tradition so that it was convincing and all-embracing and real, I wonder what we would arrive at as the definition of tradition. I was brought up in the islands, as some of you already know, and I often talk about my background there. I was brought up within Gaelic tradition. I was a Gaelic speaker first and foremost. And the first sermon I ever preached was in Gaelic, within a Gaelic context. And I learned pretty quickly that there were traditions associated with Gaelic tradition. We ones inside the big one. And that I had to be very careful. If I wasn't right about this or that, I might feel... I would tug here and there. And after I would finish the service, somebody would say, oh, I, you didn't quite do that the right way. And I learned the Gallic way of doing a service. And then I moved on to doing it 
the English and Scottish way. Some of us know Gaelic tradition in another way, the songs, the music, the stories, the tales, and they're all wrapped up in that word tradition. But then we can move to Scottish tradition, Irish tradition, English tradition, Welsh tradition, British tradition. We can have our own traditions. Remember, remember the 5th of November, which was just last night with all its explosions and bangs, and that's another tradition. But then, of course, we have church tradition. And that is a difficult word as well, isn't it? We can talk about what the Church of Scotland does traditionally, and we can talk about what the Church in Scotland does traditionally. And it's also variable. And within each individual building, each individual church, we have our own wee traditions, don't we? And what are they? There are ways of doing things. We've done them down the years. And probably they've held us steady. Tradition does that. Sometimes some would say it holds us too steady. And we don't move as we ought. But to be honest, some of our traditions change gradually. So gradually that we hardly notice. Others are harder to accept. But eventually we get round to accepting the change. The changes are difficult. I remember when there were rows going on whether we should address God as thou and not you. We had that one. We then had difficulties with the move from the King James Bible to the New International. And in the course of time, the New International changed as well. The text moved on to be more inclusive. And so change comes. Traditions change. And sometimes we don't notice. And sometimes we get a jerk. Suddenly we've got to change our ways. Something big comes along. Didn't COVID do that for us? Moved us along. Gave us a great bump. And we had to go over to new methods. New ways of reaching out. Because we couldn't meet within the walls. It was a strange time. And yet we've learned a few things through that. Doing church is different now. As I speak to you, others are watching me. And this live stream is taking this message far beyond this church. And I'm not aware of it. It doesn't bother me in the least. And nobody here is very much aware of it either. But it has come. And it too has become part of what? The tradition. It has moved in. And we are grateful for it. There's an expanded view of what the church actually is. And I think COVID did force some of us to think along these lines. Now, I have been asked to speak on tradition because of a book that Scott recommended to us. It is The Revived Church by Tom Rayner. And in that book, in one of its chapters, Tom Rayner looks at tradition in the church. It's very interesting what he sees as tradition, which is difficult to manage. Worship, music and styles? Possibly, yes. Order of worship services? Well, we run to a certain order, don't we? But even today's one has been moved about. We did a wee jiggle. Nobody noticed. 
the times of worship services. We can, some of us um, know churches which meet at midday, others which meet in the afternoon and so on. But if we move them, sometimes there's quite a bit of friction. The role of the pastor, well, I'll leave that one to the pastor. I don't think I would want to say too much of that, about that. The role of committees, ministry and programs, church buildings, rooms in church, business meetings, staff positions. Well, there they are. And recently, we ourselves have been asked to think about the role of children in the church and matters pertaining to communion. And I'm quite sure we've all had our wee thoughts about this in terms of tea tradition, haven't we? If we're really honest. We have. I have. And so it goes on. And of course, round about us, presbytery changes. There was a time when every church had its parish, every parish had its church. Then amalgamations took place. The world began to move in other directions. And that process is still going on, making us feel very uncomfortable at times, wondering what's round the next corner. We're human, and tradition sometimes helps to ground us, keeps us safe. We can hold on to it, solid, and then things, that's what we think, and then it begins to change. Now, I could spend this sermon digging into the debates. I'm not going to do that. I want us to dig into God's word and see what happens when Jesus talks about tradition. That's what's important for us today. And the passage that we read together from Mark's Gospel highlights this. I was reading through Mark's Gospel when I suddenly realised that I had committed myself to talking about tradition. And somehow it had just moved away, as tradition does, out of my brain. And then Scott reminded me. And I thought, where will I get something about tradition? And I was reading Mark's Gospel. That very place that very chapter that we've read here this morning. And it's a wonderful example of Jesus taking on tradition, graciously, firmly, and not without a touch of dry humour, which Jesus was very good at. He encounters the Pharisees and the way they see the world. Now I want to analyse this very briefly using two Ps and two Ms. So if you come back to the passage that we read, that Sandra read so beautifully for us, chapter 7 of Mark's Gospel, we'll work it out. And we'll use this to guide us through our attitudes to tradition. So the two Ps, first of all. What do we see here? We see prejudices. That's the first thing we note. This is all about prejudices. The Pharisees are engaged in ceremonial washing. It's not, not about this, not about doing that, or whatever else you do. It's about ceremonial washing. And the Pharisees are keeping a close eye on the disciples to see what they're going to do. They're washing their various items. They're going at it in the way that is right for them. Let's remember all that. Let's be fair to Pharisees. Sometimes I, I, I think we're not all that fair. 
they are doing the right thing by their book. And they were very good at that. And sometimes we mm, would do well to take a leaf out of their book. So Jesus handles them very wisely. They want to see if the disciples somehow step out of light. And they do. Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? And tradition can lead us into criticism of other people. And it's not helpful sometimes. As I've said, I was brought up in the Highlands. I was brought up in Tyree, where we had a fairly open approach to the faith. My father was a Baptist minister, and he preached every Sunday morning in Gaelic in the Baptist church, but he also helped the Church of Scotland. Whenever there was a vacancy, whenever there was difficulty, my father stepped into the breach. And for us, there was a continuum between the Baptist movement and the Church of Scotland, one which I suppose represent to this day. But if I went to the Northern Highlands, I might find things that are a little different. And some denominations like to attack the others. They like to run down the alternative denomination, point out its faults, its failings. The Free Presbyterian Church may just point to the failures of the Free Church, and the Free Church may just point to the failures of the Church of Scotland. It happens occasionally, believe me, in the Highlands. And often it's through because we've got our own way of doing things. Stand to pray, sit to sing, that sort of thing happens. But then there are doctrinal issues as well. Not doing it the right way. Westminster Confessions, are we close to them? Is that church further away from it than our one? And so it goes on. And very easily, we have prejudices. Jesus challenges that by asking the Pharisees about their priorities, and that's the second P. Jesus counters the Pharisees' complaint with the words, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Or as the newer version says, onto human traditions. So it's all-inclusive. It's not just male, but it's female as well, as with the Women's Guild and so on. We have to ask ourselves, what is really important in being church? Are we here to fight denominational battles? Well, I think of what we are here to do. As I often have these challenges with the Church of Scotland. What am I here to do? Support the Church of Scotland? What is it we're here to do? We are here to proclaim the gospel as a living community. That's what we are here to do. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men, human traditions. It's so easy to do. I've seen so many flashpoints along the line because priorities are not honoured as they ought to be. When there's to be physical change in a church, move a pew, Move anything, and you can often spark just a little debate. Just a little. Because great-grandfather endowed that pew. 
and great-grandmother sat on it for X number of years. We don't remember how long, but she did. So you mustn't move the pew. And so it goes on. And the most divisive disputes that I've encountered in my time are often about material things. Try moving something that's material. People will react in a way that they might not react if you are moving spiritual things. That's the irony. Priorities. Sort them out. Our more inclusive concept of church demands change very often. To bring in people who have needs, difficulties, challenges that we don't necessarily have. But the inclusivity of the Christian gospel demands a response. Now, how about the two M's? We've done two P's and we've done two M's. The first of the two M's is misuse. Jesus points out to the Pharisees that they have ways that they can bend tradition and they do it in the area of family responsibility. If they call something korban, i.e. devoted to God, then they don't need to devote it to looking after their parents. And tradition can have ways of cleverly getting getting us out of difficulties. Responsibilities we have. We appeal to tradition, oh well, so we don't do it. I do it this way. And it is safer doing it that way, so I'm not going to get involved. I know it, because I'm the chief sinner in that respect. That's gone on in my own head so often. Not quite the way I would do it, so I'll keep away. And so Jesus challenges this mindset, this excuse for inactivity, And I would plead guilty to it, even in today's church. If we don't like what the church is doing, why not get involved and make it better? Surely, that's the way to go. Rather than to say, my tradition is the one that's important. And if they don't do it, well, out. Not a good way to go. And the second M, misunderstanding. Jesus tackles that beautifully. In terms of the externals, he says it's not what goes into you that's going to make you unclean. It's what comes out of you. And we need to remember that tradition is often an external matter. What really matters is the internal one. Where are we going spiritually? That's the issue. Certainly the issue for me. And it's easy to do the tick on tradition, isn't it? Done that one, done that one, all okay. Hmm? Externals, but how are we in here? What's our relationship to God? What's our relationship to the one who created us? Where do we put him? In a pew? Or high above us, exalted and glorified? I love the little verse that's actually omitted in the, in the translation we write from. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. I'm often challenged by that. 
because sometimes we can hear things and not hear them. We can be very selectively deaf. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And in that spirit, we have to think about tradition. Is it the be-all and end-all? Or is there a greater and better calling? I've been in so many different churches. They all do things differently. But the thing I rejoice in is the fact that I can talk to you about Jesus and what he means and says and does to this moment. That's what's important. Warnings, though. We must never assume that tradition is automatically bad and that it has to be broken simply because it is tradition. I know people, and for them, the very word tradition is like a red rag to a bull. Vroom! They're at it, and they want to change it. Whee! They didn't mention it in case there's a huge reaction. But remember, folks, changing tradition and substituting something untraditional in its place is not necessarily a good thing. There's no silver bullet that we can just invoke on fire as Brent Haywood reminded us a couple of weeks ago, novelty and newness may be part of the answer. It often is, because we have to match the needs of society with the ways we're working. And we have to change our ways. But novelty is not the remedy. It can only ever be part of it. We have to get our priorities right. And above all, we're back to the D word. We had the T word, tradition. And we've now got back to the D word, which we heard a few times in the course of this year's sermon. What is the word? Discernment. We have to be so careful what we're going to put away, what we're going to keep. When we were renovating the house in Tyree, my daughter was in charge. And when we were doing the needful, I would be asked, Dad, what are we going to do with this? Are we going to keep it? Or are we going to throw it out? And nine times out of ten, I would say, mach in Gaelic, which is the word for out. But then there were things that we had to keep. And I'm glad we kept. Discernment was needed. And so, my dear friends, that's tradition. We live with it all the time. We make it. We then think it's been there since Noah was a boy. And it hasn't. And we need to be flexible in our approach to the world that we live in. Remember, the church's mission is to the world, not to itself. Our mission in Brighton is out the way. And it's so important that we think in these terms. The guild shows us the way. They've been changing their traditions quietly, beautifully, so quietly and nicely that some of us haven't noticed. And we need to notice because they're exemplary in that way. Amen. And may the Lord bless to us these few reflections on the theme of tradition.